I'm Carlin Gay, and I'm a big fan of Devontae Graham. I'm Gil McGregor, and Kawhi Leonard's return to Scotiabank Arena was pretty much as perfect as you could get for him. I'm Scott Rafferty, and I think this is going to be the week that we learn a lot about this Miami Heat team. Welcome into NBA Sound System. Carlin Gay alongside Scott Rafferty and Gil McGregor. You heard off the top, we'll talk about Devontae Graham a little bit later. I probably won't spend too much time on him, but he deserves a little bit of love. We'll also talk about Kawhi's return to Toronto and what we'll find out about the Miami Heat. They have a tough schedule coming up, but we want to start somewhere that's uh, going to be the spotlight of the NBA heading into the weekend, and that is Luka Doncic and Giannis Antetokounmpo will play on Monday. We're recording this on Thursday, of course. They'll play on Monday. Uh, It is turning into a marquee matchup that all eyes will be on because two top five MVP candidates, we can't even say top four MVP candidates in that game uh, with Luka Doncic, the way he's played so far, one of the best 20-year-olds to step on an NBA floor. Giannis Antetokounmpo couldn't imagine him getting any better than what he was a year ago. Well, he actually has. So, it is a marquee matchup, and the Bucks right now, they're rolling at the time of recording this, 15 straight wins. Um, they did, the win for number 15 came without Giannis. They blew the Pelicans out. It wasn't even close. The world saw, the nation saw that on ESPN. That was a uh, nationally televised game. Um, what did you learn about the Bucks without Giannis before we get into the Luka and Giannis discussion? The, just from top to bottom, they're a really good team, um, a really well-coached team, and Look, this, they're not going to compete with the best teams in the league without Giannis, but I still think that they can you know, beat the, the under 500 teams, handle them pretty well, maybe in a way that we kind of saw with the Raptors last season and how they kept their heads above water even when you know, Kawhi didn't play just because of their depth, um, but just of how well coached they are. Yeah, you talk about them being a good team and you talk about handling business against inferior opponents, the win streak, they... Um, pretty much made light work of the Pelicans and I think a testament to how good they are um, and how well coached they are and how well built they are. It's just a lot of pieces that fit in well together. So when their main guy takes a step back in a game we've not necessarily needed to win, they have great chemistry and play well off one another. You saw Eric Bledsoe had a big game. Chris Middleton had a big game. I think that just says about that cast outside of Giannis what they have there. And I think that's a testament to Giannis, by the way, Um, and just how incredible a player he is because They've obviously built this team around him. Right. Um, but the way that they move the ball, it, it's a byproduct of him him being just such an unselfish player. They move the ball really well, the way they play defense. So I, th- I just ultimately think that's just a reflection of how special and unique of a player that Giannis is, that even when he's not on the floor, they kind of continue playing the same way, um, and they can still have success with that. The reason why I brought that question up is because that's what really sparked this debate that we had off the air that we're going to have on the air is who's, the most, who's more important, either Giannis or Luka Doncic to their team and Luka if you took him away from the Dallas Mavericks they still have Kristaps Porzingis but after that it's quite slim and let's be honest Porzingis isn't the guy he once was before the injury and he may never get back to being that guy but he's still a really good player that that be like he's still 7-3 he's still a unicorn he's still going to be able to do things on a basketball court that not many in the NBA can do on the other side if you got rid of Giannis we saw what would happen well, for one game anyway, against the Pelicans, obviously lesser competition, but there's still Chris Mills in. There's still a lot of vets. There's still Eric Bledsoe. There's still George Hill. There's still you know Wesley Matthews, Brooke Lopez. 
they have a deeper team. So the question I put to you guys is Giannis more important to the Bucks than Luka is to the Dallas Mavericks? I think if you frame it that way, the answer is Giannis is more important because if you take him off this team, they're still going to be good. But ultimately, we're talking about them as potentially the best team in the league, right? And they have their eyes set on winning a title of the season. So if you take him away from that equation, there's no doubt that they don't do that. However, I think if you took both of them off their teams, I think the Bucks are probably the Bucks could still make the playoffs in the East without Giannis, I think. I don't think that the Mavs would be in the discussion at all to make the playoffs um, in the West without Luka. I'm going to do my best Mike impression right here. I'm going to throw some stats out at you guys. Go for it. Hmm. Um, Luka creates 23.5 points per game with his assists. Mm-hmm. That is the second most in the league behind only LeBron. If you watch the Mavs, everything runs through him. They've turned him into a point guard this season. Basically, every single action begins with him bringing the ball up the court and doing something, running a pick and roll with a big guy, picking a par, uh, picking a, a par guy in isolation or something like that. Giannis is different in that he plays more off ball. The team is built around him in the, in, you know, in the same way that the Mavericks had with Luka by you know, covering up his weaknesses, playing to his strengths, but he doesn't dominate the ball in the same way. Um, one way where I think that really shows up, Giannis's unassisted baskets, about 60% of his baskets this season have been unassisted, right. just under 60%. Right. For Luka, it's about 80%. So not only is he creating you know, the second most points for his teammates basically in the league, um, he basically creates all his own offense by himself. So just taking that into account, I do think that there is a steeper decline on the Mavericks if you remove Luka. I just wanted to make note that uh, our, our Micah Adams here, the managing editor here at uh, NBA Global, has now become just Micah. He's just so famous he just needs one name. <laughs> I feel like everyone knows him by now on this podcast too, though, right? Everyone knows him on this podcast. You could also follow him on Twitter at MicahAdams13. Gil, what do you think? Well, I think, Scott, kind of what you're saying, it, it draws that thin line between importance and value. You know, you talk about what the definition of MVP is, most valuable player. And I kind of understand what you're saying uh, in that Giannis is more important to them. And it seems like you're saying that Luka is more valuable in that, like, what he brings to that team, they would not be a playoff team without him. I know you have to factor in the Western Conference. You factor in, you know, opponents and things like that. Um, But I kind of think that that leads me to believe that those things are so close that Luka is both to that Mavericks team uh, outside of him. You know, Carlin kind of touched on it, you know, Porzingis is not necessarily who he was in years past yet. He's obviously coming back from a pretty devastating injury and he took a lot of time off. So maybe he kind of grows into that. Uh, but just what Luca is to that team and, and the fact that they would be you know, probably floundering without him, I, I just can't help but say that he, he's both more important and more valuable to his team than, than Giannis is. Okay, so you guys both sort of have different points for different things. I'm going to pose a different question but with the same sort of idea in mind, you take both of those guys off this team, off their respective teams. You have the franchises you have. Who builds a championship contender faster? Dallas's roster without Luka or the Bucks without Giannis? Definitely think the Bucks. I think the Bucks. I, I think, I mean, you, there's only one Giannis and you can't put one of him in that position too. But I think that just as constructed, they can find people to, I guess, they, they can 
rearrange what guys guys' roles. They can make Chris Middleton maybe a, a bigger one B or a bigger second option. I think that's what they can do. I think the Mavericks would have work to do. I think that Luca covers a lot of deficiencies and makes a lot of guys better than they would be. And I don't think that there's somebody out there that can make them better to the extent that he does. I agree with that, and I think the Raptors are a good example of that because. You know, for, for so many years, that team built around Kyle Irene and DeMar DeRozan were known for coming up short in the playoffs. But that one big trade for Kawhi, the reason that it worked so well is because they already had a system, a team in place, guys they could plug in around him that knew their role and everything like that. Um, so for that reason, I think, to your point, Gil, I, I agree with that. You could probably, not that you can find another Giannis in the league, but if you can find someone who can kind of do the same things or another, you know, another all-star, another superstar and plug them into that situation, um, it's going to be easier to, to fit them in in that situation than, than in, in Dallas just because of the, the stuff with, that Luka does. With that, with that Toronto example, like, obviously DeRozan and, and Kawhi aren't, you know, they're, 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 like, they're like, as far as, like, their role to the offense, they were similar in, in how many, like, you know, their usage and things like that. But they were different enough in their styles of play and things like that that it wasn't you know looking for the same thing. And obviously Kawhi is is you know a Finals MVP MVP caliber player, and Demar Derozan is definitely a perennial threat to be an All Star, especially when he was there, All NBA guy at his peak. But you, that 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 small difference in level of player that it was proved to be all that it needed because again, like you said, it was ultimately the same team around them. They just changed you know one piece for a piece that was slightly better they could do different things with and i think that that would be kind of the bucks thing i actually disagree with both of you guys i i think that the dallas mavericks would be in a better position to build a title contender faster than the bucks because the bucks have they have a perfect they have a title contending team right now but that is all due to the fact that Giannis is as good as he is and you can't like you guys both said you can't just replace that i think the ceiling that the bucks have is a lot higher with Giannis. And they may be a playoff team, but they won't be a title contender without him. I think you you will have a tough time finding pieces that will replace what he brings to the table. I'm not saying Luke is replaceable. I'm saying that there is pieces in place in Kristaps Porzingis, who is a far better one B when he's at his best than Chris Middleton. I think you have the coaching there. I think you have uh, an owner that's going to go out and spend any amount of money to compete. I I think you just have pieces in place to be able to plug and also attract better free agents to that market. If there is a big time free agent, I know people talk about the Kawhi and, and, and Toronto trade. That is the greatest trade in sports history because of the result, but it was a one year rental and those trades we probably won't ever see that again. We're never going to see a situation where, uh, you know, you, you go out and get a Kawhi Leonard who was a better player than DeMar DeRozan. It's it, it's very rare that you'll see that. And people forget, we always talk about Kawhi, Kawhi, Kawhi. Danny Green came in that trade too. That's true. And they only, had, true. they only had to give up Jakob Pertl. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't just Kawhi. Danny Green was a starter on the team. Danny Green was, you know, top two, I think, in three-point percentage. Uh, and all last year, caliber defender as well, a, a great defender who was able to guard the best players of the, on the best teams. So it wasn't just Kawhi Leonard. So that Raptor trade is a once in a lifetime opportunity. I just think that the pieces in place in Dallas, if you removed Luka Doncic, you have younger players. You have you have uh, already a one B in Porzingis, who when he gets right, it will be better than Chris Middleton and a great head coach who's a top five head coach in any league, league, not saying that Bud isn't, but you have a great owner and a destination, potential destination for free agents. Milwaukee isn't that. I'm sorry. But another way to look at this, you you can go down the list of the best forwards in the NBA. If you put a Pascal Siakam, a Paul George, 
um, a Jason Tatum. I think if you replace them with Giannis um, compared to, to Luka and Dallas, I do think that Bucks team is, is more likely to compete for a championship. I think sure. that's another way to but look how at many, it. How, how, sure, but how many pieces can you put in place in in Milwaukee with the team that they already have? Like Dallas doesn't have anything concrete beyond Porzingis. Like all those other guys are replaceable. You, you, when in Milwaukee, you have six or seven guys that are are key guys that are going to be a part of the rotation, regardless of whether Giannis is there or not, right? But in, you're banking on the unknown, then, right? Like, like you're the way that you. It sounds like you're going about it is like the 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 Mavs have more options down the road to change their right. roster. Yes, but that's also assuming that they find the players who fit in perfectly around the players, Porzingis and Player X, who they replace with Luca. It would right? be the same assumption that you would have to make to assume that Jason Tatum is just going to slip right in and do what Giannis does. It's, that's not the or Pascal Siakam. I'm, I'm not saying, by the way, that they can replace him. I'm We're just saying I think that both that sides. Would, I think that would be a smoother. A smoother replacement, but and the, I think again, that they, that's an assumption. We're we're assuming on both sides sure. of the table. I'm assuming that uh, the Mavs will have a better shot at building a contender with with the pieces that they have, and you're assuming that you could just slide someone in there, and it's just going to work. So it, it's an assumption on both sides. I'm just saying that I'd rather take my chances with a owner, with a coach, and a one B player that you already have in place. That his ceiling is a lot higher than what Chris Middleton's is. When Chris Middleton gets that we'll say Tatum or Siakam or whoever replaces Giannis, Chris Middleton's still going to be Chris Middleton. He's still going to be the same guy. He's still going to be this guy. I don't think he gets any better. I think he might actually get worse because Giannis attracts so much attention and allows him to get so much that you bring in another guy, another franchise player, he may not be able to get the same stuff that he's getting right now next to Giannis. Well, yeah, no, I, I completely understand and I agree with that, but I do also think that there's so many variables in that Dallas example of like, like kind of Scott was talking about the things that have to be worked out and, and uh, their variables taken into account with Chris Middleton. Maybe there is a, a mindset of a lot of those guys playing with somebody as dominant as Giannis. It affects your approach to the game. So maybe there is a different level he can tap into if he's playing as, uh, playing alongside a different style of player that's different enough. Obviously, there's again, there's only one Giannis. So if it's a, a Siakam or a Tatum or whoever this hypothetical person is and everybody kind of can play off of them in a different way, then maybe you start seeing different results and you see a, a, a subtly different product of Bucks basketball that could end up being more conducive for a title. Is now a good time to to reveal that you're not the biggest Eric Bledsoe and Chris Middleton? Yeah, well, people guy. know that. I, no, I'm, I'm I'm not I'm not I have nothing against Chris Middleton. Uh, Eric Bledsoe, yeah, people know that. If you listen <laughs> to this podcast, you know that I think that the Bucks will not win the champion. I'll say it again. I think that the Bucks will not win the championship. I feel like you say that every week at this point. because Chris Middleton or sorry, Eric Bledsoe is their starting point guard. I have no problem with Chris Middleton. I think Chris Middleton's a borderline All Star, but he's not going to be. I, I don't know. He's not. He's not to me. If he changes a series, an entire series, maybe one game in that series, I would be, I would expect that. But if he changes an entire series, I would be shocked. But I, it, like he, same thing with Pascal Siakam last year, he didn't change entire series. He changed one or two games. You know, Kyle Lowry was able to change one or two games. I expect Chris Middleton to do the same in a playoff run. I don't expect him to take over an entire series or be the reason why they get over the hump in an entire series. It is more than just them, by the way. Like like Brook Lopez is a very good player. They are sure. one of the deeper teams in the league. It's, sure. it's, it's not just them. Well, you only play five guys. Sure. Deepness doesn't matter in the playoffs. But you don't just play, you don't have five guys playing 48 minutes in the playoffs. Regular season deepness, I mean, it's a, it's a real thing. That's what the Bucks can kind of lend, lend their hat on that. And, and that's a good reason why, uh, you know, they were able to win last, last night as we record this against the Pelicans because they have a very deep team. So 
they could get away with that night tonight. In the playoffs, that's not going to matter. They play seven, six, or seven guys. You play your six or seven best guys in a, in a playoff run. But yeah, but I think one thing we did see last year, uh, like if it, you have an eight or nine man rotation, that six or seven can vary, you know, from round to round, whether it, you know, personnel wise. So if you look at a team that has, you know, they, they brought in Robin Lopez and they play a team who has a bunch of bigs, another mm-hmm. big you can you can throw in there, throw in the mix, or or if it's guard play, I think that that's where their depth kind of comes into play because these are guys who are all getting game reps, especially because the way they're blowing teams out of the water. So I do think that that can give them an, uh, some type of advantage. You look at like game seven last year, I think when you talk about not players not playing between the Sixers and the Raptors, I think the Raptors played seven guys. And Serge Ibaka came off the bench and hit one of the biggest shots of the game. Um, so you, you look at like just having guys who are ready, and I think they have consummate pros coming off the bench. And again, I know you, you only play five at a time, and they might only come off the bench with three of them. But I think that their ability to give different looks of different three guys will work in their favor in the postseason. Fair enough. I don't, I don't want to get into the argument about whether or not the Bucks are deep or whether or not I think they can win the championship. Because I, I think we're going to do that all year. You guys <laughs> know how I feel about them and the Milwaukee Bucks. Fair. This is this is more about Porzingis and or sorry, uh, Luka Doncic. And Giannis Antetokounmpo, that game's coming up on Monday. It's going to be a big one. Uh, you could watch it on NBA TV, I believe, in the United States and in Canada. NBA League Pass, I'm assuming it'll be on there or around the world. NBA League Pass is your choice for that. Let's move on uh, quickly and talk about, before we get to the Kawhi reactions, I want to jump ahead and, and talk about the Miami Heat because the Kawhi stuff, uh, you're going to hear that on another podcast. We'll, we'll give you a quick, brief reaction because we had a unique perspective on him having watched 82 games of Raptor basketball a season ago all the way through the playoffs. And we have a different take on what we thought Kawhi's reaction was uh, or his return was to Toronto for the first time getting his ring. So let's go to the Heat because uh, we could spend some time here because the Heat have an interesting week coming up. This They haven't played a ton of above 500 teams to this point. And credit to them, they're winning the games that they should win. And it leaves us to kind of think to ourselves, wait a minute, since they haven't really played anybody, are they actually good? I'm I'm in the camp where you can only play the schedule in front of you and good teams beat up on bad teams. That's what makes them good teams. So I don't care that they haven't played anybody yet. I, I really think that this Miami Heat team has a, has a chance to finish with the second best record in the Eastern Conference right behind the Bucks. I know Scott hates me saying this, they have a weak division. Yeah, I know you hate me saying this. <laughs> they have a weak division, and that's going to matter because they'll be able to pile up those sort of wins. When you play Atlanta four times, when you play the Wizards four times, when you play the uh, the Charlotte Hornets four times. Got to watch out for Devontae Graham, though. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we'll get to him in a second. That is, that's a recipe for success because you're playing teams that, by the end of the season, aren't going to be trying to win and right now, even though they're trying to win, they're unable to win because they just don't have that skill, that skill level. They're not able to to get over the hump, and the Heat are just going to pile up on these type of wins. When the Raptors were getting good, originally, when DeMar and, and Lowry kind of got together, Dwayne Casey got there, the Atlantic division was in such disarray that every year you just chalked up 50 wins to the Raptors because you knew that they were going to beat up on the Nets. You knew that they were going to beat up on the Knicks. You knew that they were beating up on the Celtics before they made those big trades and moves. And the Sixers were going through the process. So it, it, it was just easy pickings in the division, and you just gave them some wins, and they walked away with the, They just have to take care of the rest of the schedule. They walked away with 50 wins automatically. I think the Heat are going to be like this for the next couple of years because this division isn't getting any better. I... You know, I, 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 something about Miami, and I don't know what it is, and, and I can admit I never had a 
particular reason. I think it was just a stylistic thing of watching Jimmy Butler. I've never been the biggest Jimmy Butler guy. I never disliked him, but I never was a big fan of his game. Until you found out he got on the first bus. Until I found out he got on the first <laughs> bus, and I'm like, man, that's the type of guy who I would love to be the captain of my team. But um, but but no, I, I and that being said, I don't know if that's some type of thing that's affecting the way I view this, but. I, I'm not really in on them yet. I think that I, I have to see something from them this this week. I know you've said they haven't really played very many teams, and when they have, it hasn't been pretty. They're four and five against teams above 500 this year, and among that is is, a, is that bad? Is that is that a, bad? A 20 point it's loss. Fine. A 20 point loss to Denver. Right. A 15 point loss to the Lakers. Right. 27 point loss to Philly, which is on the second end of a back to back. I get that. And then a 19-point loss to Boston, which is also a second end of a back-to-back. Which so it's okay. not only that they're losing, it's, they're getting blown they're out. Get, they're getting blown out. And, and then you talk about them taking care of business against teams. The last two games, they, they, need, they needed overtime to beat the Bulls, and they needed overtime to beat the Hawks, which is a crazy comeback. So I think, I think that's a more style thing about Miami, the way they grind out games. Sometimes teams can kind of hang in there with them, but I think that that's a team you don't want to see in the playoffs. So I want to – I can upgrade me them from a team you don't want to see in the playoffs to a team who can make noise in the playoffs if they can show me something in these this upcoming week of some of the games they have. Yeah, I, I see. I, I'm almost on the same page. I'm, I share the same ideas as both of you. I think the this Heat team is really good. Um, in saying that, there's a big difference between being like a number four and five seed in the East and being a team that could actually compete for a title. Um, so to what you're saying, Gil, like they do need to show something in these games against the Lakers and teams like that because um, those are ultimately the teams that they're going to have to go through um, if they're going to make the finals, if they're going to win the title. Not season. the Lakers. Well, no, but I'm teams like that. Like we talk about the top teams in the East and the West, teams above 500, the ones that they're four and five against this season. Okay. Those are going to be the games and the, the teams that they have to be. So this is, the, this is the schedule as we record right now. We're recording on a Thursday. They're off today. They play the Los Angeles Lakers on Friday the 13th. Then they go to Dallas. It's on back to back after that Laker game. That's at, that Laker game is at home, by the way. They go to Dallas. They go to Memphis. They're at Philadelphia. So it was a little three game road trip for them. Then they finish off the week with the New York Knicks at home. And I guess you could throw Utah in there just for good measure because that's right before the Christmas break where they'll have four days off before they host Indiana on the day after Boxing Day. So, I mean, we're really only going to see them play three good teams, four if you want to include Utah. Is that enough to to kind of sway you either way? Because Gil, you're not a, you're not a believer. So if they go ahead and and go four and zero against those those winning teams, but lose to the Knicks, where do you stand <laughs> on them? If they were to do that, I would chalk it up to the effort that they had to exert to do that. I think. Um, one thing that they've done this year, they haven't, they haven't, they, they, <laughs> haven't, they haven't lost at home yet. Wait a minute. So you're saying that they need to try to lose to the Knicks? That's no, no, how no, bad no, the no, Knicks no, no, are. No, no. Uh, yeah, yeah, they probably, <laughs> probably, probably will. But, but yeah, I mean, I, I just think that if they somehow were to lose to New York, it would just be because they just were so winded and so done after that three game road trip, right. which is, is pretty brutal. Um, especially that back to back playing at home against the Lakers and then going to Dallas and, and playing, you know. Just 24 hours later mm-hmm. um, but uh, to their credit they haven't lost at home yet this year they have a little bit of a South Beach home uh, court advantage um, and and I think that that's a mark of a good team uh, so if they can keep that up then that, that'll just give them, give them a chance as well if they're a team who ends up winning 30 games at home this year they could probably be a top three seed in the Eastern Conference I never I never thought that you know Miami would really have home court advantage. You always see if you're watching games on TV, you always see people roll in that midway through the second quarter. That's just the Miami style of play. And being there, I went there. I went to a game. I saw the Pelicans and the Heat there this season. 
they they actually have a fan base, like a rabid Miami fan base. That city right now is a Miami Heat city. It's not a Miami Dolphin city. They could care less about the Florida Panthers NHL franchise there. <laughs> it's a Miami Heat city, and people were talking about the Heat. Now, granted, obviously, it was a night of a basketball game in and around the arena, so most people would be talking about it if you're in and around the arena. But even off that, when I went to the Dolphins football game, and people were talking about the Heat there. It's a Miami Heat town. Other than the Miami Hurricanes college football team, and they're not good right now, they're the only team that's really running the sports market there in Miami, and it's. Uh, I I was shocked by that. Yeah, it's pretty. It's amazing. I was in uh, Miami like five years ago, five and a half years ago, and it, it was at the end of LeBron's run there. But South Florida loves their basketball. You, I saw probably every five or ten minutes just a Miami Heat license plate. Mm-hmm. So I didn't realize mm-hmm. that like they dominated it that much, and you can easily judge it by what you see in the arena. But I mean, the 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 proof is in them having like having you know one of the best home records in the league so far this season. Yeah, you're right. I, I did see a lot of heat license plates, a lot of heat flags on cars. It, it, I was shocked by that. The, the interesting thing about this team, too, is uh, like you were saying, I, I do think they are legit. I do think they're a very good team. There's also a chance that they can make a move um, between now and the trade deadline. December 15th is a date that every team in the league has had circled for for a long time now right. because that's when players who sign contracts this offseason um, become eligible to be traded. Um, there's been a lot of names. I mean, there's there's been two particular names that have been thrown out for them. Um, throughout the past few months. One is Chris Paul. Another one is Kevin Love. Just because they have so many salaries that they can match up to get a max player like that. Um, so there's a good chance that this Heat team, as good as they've been to this point in the season already, um, that they look quite different. But do you the think they should? Months. Like, do you think that they like, I was going to ask. Are, are so you have, you have those three options on the table. Love, Chris Paul, or something else. What do you take? The, the tricky thing is that there's been reports that they're keeping their books as open as possible for 2022. Which when would we be option C, something else. Which which <laughs> makes sense because of how many players are going to be available that summer and everything. Right. Um, and obviously, if you make a move for a Kevin Love or Chris Paul, you're tying a lot of money up in them for the next three years. Um, the flip side of that, though, is Jimmy Butler is 30 years old, so you got to maximize his window, right? Um, this could very well be the best that he is in his career. Um, usually this is when players peak and things like that. Um, and when you look at guys like, you know, Goran Dragic, who's 33 years old, he's an expiring contract this season. Do you resign him? Do you try and make the most of that and move him to get a player like that, not knowing if you're going to be in the market for a Giannis or something like that in 2022? Um, so to be honest, I, I, I don't know what the answer is, um, which probably shocks all of you considering my <laughs> hot takes that I uh, fire away on this podcast, yeah. um, but that they do have a lot of options, more options than a lot of teams do. Um, heading into the trade deadline if they were to get chris paul if any team for that matter gets chris paul they're paying chris paul till 2022 the summer of 2022 and uh, that's a player option year for him it's 44 million dollars he's obviously going to take it uh he'd be 36 years old at that time kevin love on the other hand he'd be 34 and you'd be paying him till 2023 uh, and he'd be making $28 million before becoming an unrestricted free agent, free agent at the age of 35 in the free agent class of 2023. I, I'm going option C as well. Um, I, I, I just think that I really think that they just stick with what you have. I, I don't think that bringing in either of those guys moves the needle to where like, okay, now we're competing for a title. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think that that makes them a title contender. And, 
doubling back to what I prefaced it with, I have done a pretty much as big of a 180 as I think I could on on Jimmy Butler. Like I saw him get the triple double in Toronto. Like he is a, a flat out ball player who makes big plays and does big things. But I think he's in a good spot around the young guys who are around him. They do a good job of scouting and developing talent. I think they should stick with doing it the way that they do it and play the free agency market as they did, you know, some years ago. Obviously, there's no LeBron and Chris <laughs> Bosh out there, so you can't do it that way. But I do think that they can uh, find guys who, who fit that heat culture, as they call it, um, and really play that brand of basketball and continue to build that way. Yeah, I, I, I want to see them make a trade. I don't know if it's for Chris Paul and Kevin Love, but I would like to see them make a trade, some sort of trade. And I honestly think that trade season this year is going to be very, very boring. I, I, if you're if you're someone that watches the NBA or just waits for, uh, you know, trade season and free agency to really lock in, I think you're going to be extremely disappointed with uh, with the trade deadline this year. Last year was crazy. Last year we had some moves that that really shaped the NBA to what it is now, and frankly, decided who was going to win the championship. Yeah. Marcus Gasol doesn't get to Toronto. Toronto doesn't win the championship. So, uh, you know. I, I, I think it's going to be a boring trade deadline. I think the Heat should stay pat. Um, or if they do make a move, it's not for Chris Paul or Kevin Love. They should make a secondary move and get some some depth or trade some of their younger guys and maybe get a better point guard than Goran Dragic if, if there was one available. I don't know who the name is, but Dragic hasn't really even played. He's been out with injury uh, you know, for, for the back end of maybe the last week and a half. So. He's, uh, I mean, he doesn't even start. He's guy, yeah, he, he doesn't even start anymore, right? Justice Winslow has been starting uh, Kendrick at Nunn's point been guard. Starting Nunn. as well, yeah. Kendrick, Nunn. Kendrick Nunn has been terrific. Tyler Hero has been really good. Duncan Robert. They have a, they have a nice young solid team. I just think that if they add one more vet, because they got expiring contracts, do something with it. Because those guys, they're not going to resign those guys to the number that they're at now. Those guys are probably likely have to. And I mean, those guys. I mean, James Johnson, Kelly Olynyk. Those type of players are going to have to find their way somewhere else so you might as well package them into some sort of deal and try to get something back for them um, to help you in the playoff run uh, so that's the heat now let's talk quickly about Kawhi before we move on to uh, to what we're looking forward to this weekend Kawhi got his the, the, the ring ceremony single hand, single handedly for what, what, what should I say this, this is a solo ring ceremony for Kawhi Leonard yeah. he was by himself in this situation it was weird how they did it. Uh, you know, Herbie Kuhn, the the Raptors PA announcer, announced the starting lineup, skipped Kawhi, left him for last, announced Doc Rivers, and then they showed the video tribute. Uh, and, you know, the video tribute was nice. Some of us had already seen it. If you had been following on social media, it's pretty much the same video that the Raptors tweeted out a couple of days before. Uh, and the only element that was really surprising was the footprints on the court, which was cool. That was the coolest part of the thing. Uh, footprints on the court where Kawhi took his big shot in Game Seven to push the Raptors to the Eastern Conference Finals. I have thoughts on it. What do you guys think about the ceremony as a whole? And grade it for me. What do you give it? I'll give it a. I'll give it an A minus. I'll give it an A minus. Um, I think that, as I said earlier, I, I think that it was fitting and, and perfect for Kawhi and who he is. I think that a video that we kind of saw before to kind of, I guess they. I, uh, the the footprint part was was really incredible. Something that I didn't really expect. I think it highlighted the biggest moment of when he was there. Uh, reading a lot leading up to his return, oral histories of it. That was a shot that you know won them the game in the series, but also pretty much reversed twenty four years of misfortune of a franchise. So I think it was really important to highlight that. And I think that it was 
understated yet made a big statement, which I think is the best way you can describe Kawhi Leonard and who he is. Um, you saw him show a little bit of emotion. He kind of had, had a playful moment with Kyle Lowry and, and got a moment with all of his former teammates. So I'll say it was an A minus. It was nothing that um, really surprise us outside of what that that quick moment so i guess there wasn't an element of surprise to get you an a or a plus but but all all in all i was i was pretty uh entertained by it yeah i thought it was perfect for him uh, and i think doc rivers put it best after the game he said that you know Kawhi didn't say anything after the ceremony he didn't take the mic or anything like that um but doc rivers said that it meant a lot to him it was very heartfelt there's no doubt that he he appreciated it um and doc who's been in the nba for what feels like forever um, even said that he thought what the Raptors did was the best thing he's he's seen since he's been in the league um, and that it was very classy and everything like that. That's stuff that you're going to expect to hear from Doc, who is the coach of Kawhi. Um, but still, I think all things considered, the type of player that Kawhi is, the type of personality is, um, I, I, I do think it was a perfect ceremony for him. Colin, take it away. <laughs> I thought it was uh, I thought it was underwhelming, guys. Why? Well, I thought you, it was well, you under well. I I I don't know what more I wanted, but I expected more. I f- expected to feel more. I expected to have more emotion going through it. Let's face it. This is the first time that this franchise, this city, this country had seen a professional championship since 1993, and that was with the Toronto Blue Jays. It, not even in basketball. So, and in, if you want to go even further, it was 1993 that the Montreal Canadiens had won the Stanley Cup. They haven't seen a professional or a big four professional sports championship since then. I know TFC, we could talk about that. TFC's did Toronto C in the MLS. Uh, and uh, who else has won? The Argos have won the Grey Cup. I'm talking about the big four, major four sports here. And I just felt like there was no emotion. They gave him to show the video before everyone before the game, before the day, took a little bit away from it because you're seeing the exact same video that you already saw on social media. The only thing they added was the footprints, and I thought that was the coolest thing of it all. But then after that, it was, I was underwhelmed. Kawhi had no... They didn't give Kawhi the, the opportunity to have a mic. They didn't give Kawhi the opportunity to stand at center court and have the crowd go nuts for him. He kind of just did the rounds, and then he just left. He deserved more. I, I really think that he deserves more. I don't think he should retire his jersey. That's one thing because he was only there for one year, and I get he was the the catalyst in the Finals MVP to to win it. So I don't think he should retire his jersey, which means he, he's not going to get a statue. So the one thing well, that you can get, go he, ahead, he could get a statue. I, I think if you don't retire his jersey, he's one hundred percent getting a statue. That shot against the Sixers is without yeah. a doubt going to go up in a put statue. That in I don't, th- put that I don't in bronze. think I don't think you could get him a, a, a statue if you don't retire it. But that's another argument. But I think that. <laughs> If you don't give him, in my opinion, if you don't give him either of those two, this was your moment to close the book on his career, which was very short, granted, as a Toronto Raptor. And I don't think that we felt that. I don't think that it felt like the chapter was slammed shut. I think it was just like a that would have been cool for Danny Green, not Kawhi Leonard. Not Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi Leonard deserved more. I think I think one of the Raptors should have spoke on what he meant to the team. I, I think it should have been a bigger ceremony than what it was. The ceremony lasted like seven minutes. But I also wonder how much of that is the Raptors calling the shots on that and how much is how much of a say did Kawhi have in that? Too bad. I mean, Too bad, Kawhi. That's this is the one time that I think as a franchise you have to say to the player, listen, I know you don't like to be the center of attention. Too bad. This is the one chance that we have to celebrate you. They may never win a championship ever again. 
Well, they also celebrated him at the parade. He yeah, had, that's he what had I was his, he, had his, he had his. He was. He was. He, I get that. A little out of character there. I get that, but that was a part of the parade. That, yeah, that's fair. That was a that's part. Of, that fair. was that was the entire team. That was the entire city. I get that. That's what the parade is for. But ring night should be that as well. Maybe. And and I didn't feel. He didn't even cry. No one cried. I, I guess I was. Just, I, I, what, what would you expect him to say if you if you give Kawhi Leonard a microphone? At like, least give him the opportunity to say thank you to the fans. Whatever he has to say, it could just be hey hey hey. But at least give him <laughs> that opportunity to do it. They didn't even do that. Or if you know he's not going to say something, then let Kyle Lowry speak on him. Let's let Kyle Lowry say something about what he meant to the team, what he meant to the city. Thank him in front of everybody. It was a nationally televised game in the United States, which doesn't happen often for the Raptors. It was the first time for the Raptors to show. And by the way, this is an early opportunity to pitch other free agents to come to Toronto. When you treat someone greatly, Giannis is watching. Look, and I, they, it's no secret that Giannis isn't a, a, a target for these guys in 2021. If Giannis sees that they treat Kawhi with great respect while watching that game, why wouldn't he want to come to Toronto? Get out of here. Why what, are you, what are you talking about? Like, why not? They, the Raptors did absolutely everything they could. They could the have entire, done more. No. They the entire year more. that Kawhi was there, they did absolutely everything they, they good for him. They catered to him. They looked after him. They did, they did absolutely last year, everything but what about he Wednesday wanted. Night? But how do you know that's not what he wanted? That could have been top to bottom every single thing at that Wednesday that he night, wanted a ring ceremony. It's and not that's about what he more. wants anymore. Huh? And Wednesday night's not about what he wants anymore. He made the decision to leave the city so they don't have to cater to him anymore. Now they're catering to the fan, and they did not do that on Wednesday night. I mean, but you mentioned twenty twenty one. He is a free. He could be a free agent twenty twenty one. So maybe, maybe they you know listen to what he had to say now, and then you know down the line yeah, he you don't want that. that. He'll be washed. By <laughs> yeah, that's, but, that's but, but fair. If you're saying that, if you're saying that Giannis, I'm is joking watching, by the way. If you're saying that Giannis is watching this and he's not impressed, but then you Giannis go on to say that the Raptors are catering to the fan and not Kawhi. That's two different things. No, but you, if, you, you if they came to the Kawhi, city Giannis to shower, would be that, for allow the city to shower him with praise. That's they Kawhi and Don. No, they didn't do. They didn't do. Come on, he was <laughs> he out of there for free this, he, this past you, this past week. Well, do you remember? Other than the little footprint thing, do you remember anything Kawhi had done leading up to that ceremony? It happened so quickly, and we were in the basketball game that it it had no lasting effect. It really didn't. Agree to disagree. That's fine. You feel like it had a lasting effect? I thought that footprint thing was awesome. That I said, other than the footprint thing, was yeah, there that any was one lasting thing that was really impressive and that I have never seen another team do? Nothing to do with him. What nothing to do with him, him giving, getting the ring. Nothing to do with it. We, I feel like we should just move on. <laughs> it had nothing to do with him getting receiving the ring. This is a, this is a lot of time oh, to talk oh, about. Just just one quote. quote. I what, was what, what could have, what could have been better to to, to do it? like a, a speech, uh, like anything? Everything that. they did for the opening night, minus raising the banner. They could have given him some fireworks. There's so many things that they could have done. Yeah, well, maybe they'll do it for Danny Green when the Lakers. If Danny, I, I, I'm not going to be shocked if Danny Green gets the same, same sort of treatment. The only thing that Danny Green is not going to get is little footprints on the court. That's going to be the that's going to be the, the difference between Kawhi Leonard's video package and Danny Green's. Well, we'll see. If Patrick McCaw was traded. He'd come back and get the same sort of treatment. Three time champ right there. Unbelievable. He's got three. Of he them. played by the way. He did. He's back. Yeah, he's back. Well. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe that you guys were really impressed by that. I wasn't. I think everyone that says, especially in the NBA, and maybe not you guys, because you guys, what you guys don't care whether or not uh, other people feel this way. But I think Doc Rivers is a flat out liar. It's not the best <laughs> thing he's ever seen. 
Give me a break, Doc. What's he? And also, what's he supposed to say? He's not going to go up I there and that. say it was I said garbage. He's going to say that. I yeah. said he's going to say that. That's, but a, I also, that's the other thing too. But he was like, going over the top with it. It, it wasn't the best thing that he's it, ever seen in being in the also, NBA. It's also, the best so, thing he's ever seen in the NBA. He probably wasn't even watching the screen. But that's the thing. It's also unprecedented. So I guess the first time the best player on Chelsea's team has left right that's after right. winning. So we, it's nothing really to compare it to. So I mean, technically, it probably is the best thing <laughs> well, he's ever seen because Barslow. I doubt it'll ever happen again. The Barslow. Well, who know? Who knows? Kawhi's Kawhi's a different guy. He might. Might end up in Phoenix after this contract with the Clippers and, and, and bringing them their first championship. Just, just bounce around the franchises that never wanted to be title before. I kind of wanted LeBron it. to do that back in the day, by the way. Just every season, just change a team <laughs> and just see what he could do. I, I, I'd low-key wanted that to happen. It, the people that buy NBA 2K yearly would be honestly pissed <laughs> off about that. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> All right. The weekend's coming up. What are you guys looking forward to this weekend? There's a ton of stuff on the schedule. I mentioned Devontae Graham, so I'll kick it off. Uh, Devontae Graham dropped 40, a 40 burger. Career high. Career high. He is killing it. We, we talked sort of lightly about how uh, how he can be a borderline all-star. I think that buzz is story, slowly starting to pick up. We live in Charlotte, so we hear that a little bit um, all the time. So we might be biased to it, but I think nationally it's starting to pick up a little bit. People are recognizing it, especially when he goes out and gives you a 40 burger on the road. Uh, and big shots, and the teams winning more games that I think most people thought they would. They play Chicago uh, tomorrow. By the time you, you've heard this, that's a Friday the 13th game. Then they have the Pacers on the road. Then they have the Kings at home, the Cavaliers, the Jazz, and they close out with a road game in Boston against the Celtics. That's not a murderer's row of, uh, in a schedule any way, shape, or form, but there's only one day off in between at most for a lot of these games uh, except for the Wednesday game where they where they're traveling from uh, Cleveland to and and coming back home to play Utah, this is a time for Devonte Graham to show that he can maintain this level of play leading in to the Christmas break, and it's going to start with getting a W in Chicago against the Bulls. You can't go from forty to like nine points. That just can't happen unless your team wins and unless you have a couple of things. But he is now being looked upon to close games, the second game in the road. They, they put the ball in his hand and say, you know what, go close it. That was against the Wizards. And again, against the, the Nets, he's come up with the goods. I think that he is definitely the closer. He's taking that mantle from Terry Rozier. Terry Rozier is kind of giving him the, the chance of, do, of doing that. Uh, I want to see if Devontae Graham can maintain this for the next six games before we get to the Christmas break. And if he can, then I'm beating the drum saying that this guy deserves to be an all-star. To your point on him being a closer, um, he's scored the fifth most clutch points so far this season. Minutes play a big factor in that. He's played some of the most clutch minutes just because it feels like most the Hornets are either in a close game or getting blown out. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's actually been pretty efficient in this situation. Six for 13 from three, 17 for 19 from the free throw line. Um, so he, he's been big down the stretch. Uh, and I'm looking forward to you uh, reporting back to us of uh, watching an entire Hornets-Bulls game. Um, and I won't be watching that, that game. I won't be watching that. Let's be honest. I won't be watching that game. By the way, the Hornets are actually winning those close games as well. They're 6-2 and two in games that are decided by Ooh. three points or less. So and that's been their problem in the past. They haven't been able to close games. Yeah. yeah. Uh, See I, I you, saw, Kemba. Saw, saw a stat last night. They were six and twenty three. <laughs> six and twenty three in those games uh last year and, and the eight games they've the one eight one possession games they've played this year is the most in the league. So, you know, again, he, one thing he said is that his teammates are really expressing a lot of confidence in him, which in turn has 
built a lot of confidence within himself, and uh, it shows in the way he plays. That step back he made last night to put the Nasty. team up big was was cold, yeah. cold blooded. So it, it just kind of oozes in, in, in the way he plays, and, and the more he does it, I'm sure it just will, will be more and more. And they owe the Bulls because the Bulls got them last time. They were That's down cool five enough. points with with ten, twelve seconds left, and got that win. So that should be a little bit of extra motivation for the Hornets. Mm. Yeah, Kemba who? Um, moving on very quickly. From that. <laughs> um, Two guys that we've been talking about on this pod already, Jimmy Butler and Luca, are uh, facing each other on Saturday. Mm. We don't need to spend too much time on that because we talked about both teams and both players. Um, but they're two of the best players at their position. Luca's easily an MVP candidate. Jimmy Butler's in that discussion. And I he's got like a new fan in me. And he's got a new fan in Gil, um, which is very important. Um, <laughs> you know, both guys walking triple doubles this season. Uh, Good game for the Heat to prove themselves against a Mavs team that's been one of the biggest surprises in the league this season. Um, so I'm, I'm looking forward to that game. I don't know if Jimmy Butler's a walking triple-double. He's, he? he's been this season. Walking triple-double? He's, I mean, you Pencil want me to pull in. the stats? He's averaging Pencil like for one. 27 and 7. I mean, something on. like that. That's not a walking triple-double. That's 27 that's, and 7. He's a walking, flirting triple-double. How there about that? Go. That's okay. better. Is that, is that oh, better? better. I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah, that's better. What do you have, Gil? Oh, uh, you know, we talked about uh, Kawhi's return and they handed the, the Raptors a loss. That's three straight home losses for Toronto, who started off the season undefeated at Scotiabank Arena. I got my eye on them. Uh, they're, they're hosting the Nets this Saturday at home. Not only do they need to get back on track at home, they have a big-time streak on the line, an NBA record, I believe, 34 or 35 games straight mm. against uh, divisional opponents at home. The Nets are coming off that loss to the Hornets. Don't talk about division. Scott might not like it. <laughs> Spencer Dinwiddie's <laughs> been playing really well. Uh, and, and then that kind of – this is a streak for for the Raptors. They then host the the Cavs. Um, they go to Detroit, and then they have a couple other games next week. So they need to get back on track. They lost four of their last five. They're defending champs, and they they're looking for answers right now. So I think it all starts Saturday when they host the Nets. Divisions are important. I don't know why you hate on them so much. I've it's, just never heard someone talk about divisions as much as you do. Do you realize? Do you realize the only reason Dallas Mavericks are sitting at the top of the Southwest Division is because they've been dominating the Southwest Division. They're six and zero in the division. Boom. Cool. Cool. Six and oh. All right. Do you realize that the Bucks are dominating their division? <laughs> I just I don't care. Seven and oh in their I division. just don't care. I don't think we even need divisions at this point. I, I, I just don't care. Hey, but I agree with that. I don't think we need divisions, but we have them. Yeah, we have so them. We and no one enjoys well them. and no one no one enjoys talking about you them need more some organization. I love, I love, if you look at if you I look at your them. desktop and everything on there, we would see hey. that why you don't care about divisions. Because we need things to be organized, God. That's <laughs> what it's for. How's that organization? Looking, that's looking pretty clean right it's now. It's not terrible. It's not I've seen it way worse. We need divisions for uh, organization. Man, we'll have an entire weekend to organize Scott's desktop. <laughs> but until then, thanks for listening to NBA Sound System. You can follow our work all over NBA.com. For Gil McGregor, Scott Rafferty, I'm Carlin Gay. Enjoy your weekend. We will see you next week right here on NBA Sound System.